Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. Monday, happy Monday night, the 15th. This would also be a time in, in two weeks from, or, or three weeks from now, three weeks from today, where we are coming on this pod, celebrating, reminiscing, breaking down what is a one-week, first week down of college football. That's right, baby. Fall is here. College football right around the corner. BBP, Danco Transmission. We're here to continue talking about it leading up to that big, big weekend. That means it's time to bring in two guys, two pals, two two Bearcat heads, two guys that know exactly what's going on with the red and black. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendo. Gentlemen, how are we? Doing good on that camp grind. Just wake up, drive to higher ground, rinse, repeat. Oh, baby. The camp time is set. Aaron, how are we? Doing all right. I mean, uh, kids start back to school on Wednesday, so it's the calm before the storm, okay. <laughs> if you will. So, Calm before the storm, but then the calm again, and then the storm when they get back from school, right? I imagine that's a roller coaster, yeah, the, repeat type ordeal. They're with dad today, so um, oh. it's good. Uh, but the, the baby did just about um i don't know about an hour ago just shit all over me so that was oh wow that was super fun we're we're starting there minute 30 in i like it i like it all well right, if tell her, I, tell her i said good job yeah yeah tell her yeah, uh, tell, yeah. tell her i hope that hope that tar is coming out real strong right on right on old a ron smith but uh but uh, you know if skins if is going to be very happy to hear that i'm yeah, sure i know that target that he bought you is, is quite well. <laughs> he already knows how to aim. Uh, but no, I, if, if something else is leaking and, and stuff's coming out all over you, <laughs> I would say you head to head to Danco Transmissions. Get that get that car checked out. Give him, you know, give him a shout out. Say uh, say little baby Brennix. Say uh, Aaron Smith, Mister Chatty B. Just just throw it out there. Tell Danco Joe we sent you. Give you ten dollars off and it'll change ten percent off any fixing, and yeah, just go from there. Danco transmission, but uh, man, Aaron, throwing sludge on the walls—that's that's kind of what uh, what some of the AP voters tend to do at times when they throw sludge at the wall and and, and see where certain spots fit. Uh, I, I think I counted fourteen possibly uh, guys who who threw sludge at the wall and none of them. Landed on the Bearcats, the uh, number four team in last year's final AP poll, and now currently un- unranked on a lot of different pollster sites, but ranked enough, ranked as high as number ten actually, uh, but by John Wilner, by by Wilner nonetheless. Wow, ranked enough to the point where they are now sticking in there at twenty three, as three consecutive years in the AP top twenty five to begin the season, gentlemen. Kind of the same as as last week before that big bomb came about the Big Ten. You know, they 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 tend to like to throw out certain things to to get us off kilter. But last week it was the coaches poll. This week it's the AP poll. Bearcats find themselves on both polls. Arkansas at 19. So that is a bona fide guaranteed ranked versus ranked matchup in week one for the Bearcats as they travel to Fayetteville. Just yeah, I, I agree. It is a big yawn, Chad. I agree. It is a big yawn for the AP poll, but just initial reactions. Third straight season, ranked versus ranked. Is it is it a lot about nothing, or is it something where, you know what, you got to start ranked if you want to continue to climb? 
I mean, it's a perception deal. Like I, it doesn't move the needle much for me just cause I don't really put much stock into to preseason rankings because generally there's a group of like seven teams that every year find themselves in the preseason rankings. And then right. by like week four, uh, they have exited said preseason rankings. Very um, so I don't, I don't put a ton of weight on it, but obviously it's better to be ranked than not to be ranked. Um, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's good for perception. It's good for, you know, you, you have your name on the scroll, you get talked about more in the post game shows and the pregame shows and uh, all of that jazz. Um, it, it doesn't bother me, although I will say, like, aren't we at a point where Luke Fickle's earned a little bit more respect than, you know, 23? Like, I, maybe that's – we're still in that process. Maybe maybe there's a bunch of uh, voters mad that Luke Fickle isn't the head coach at their school. Uh, yeah, I, you got a good point. Know, uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing out – we're in conspiracy theory – uh, ter- you know, Aaron loves conspiracy theories. Aaron's He's mad his, at the world. He hates everything. His aluminum foil hat is somewhere around there, right? In one of those lockers. Always keep it in your back pocket. Okay, okay, fair. But but Chad, kind of kind of to your uh to to you know the route that you're going on here. 18 AP voters left the Bearcats off their top 25. Come on. Guess what? Two of them. Dustin Dopirak and uh, Mike Bernardino. Dustin is the Indiana AP writer. Yeah. Mike is the Notre Dame AP writer. You would and think I'm, those Notre Dame guys would have a lot more respect for the Bearcats. <laughs> On top of that, well, especially like they named Buckner as their starting quarterback, so they're they're heading in the right direction. That, but Bo- Mike Buchner, Buchner, yes. Well, whatever. Anyway, uh, hey, I'm going to pronounce it how you spell it. You want me to right. pronounce it Buckner, then you spell it B-U-K-N-E-R. You right. spell it B-U-C-H-N-E-R, you're Buchner. Well, you could throw just like a K-H in there, and that would still be the Buckner for you, but you know what? Either way, either way. But how about this as well? Uh, Brett McMurphy, everyone's uh, top AP guy. Yeah. Has, has Nebraska in the top 10, the top 25 <laughs> AP. Leaves off Cincinnati. Uh, an, another funny one, Texas received a first-place vote in the coaches' poll. Texas, not in the AP poll to begin the, the season this the year. AP, the AP folks are tired of getting, uh, you know, burned by Texas every year. Texas is back, though. They are back. They're absolutely back. Aaron, did you have any initial thoughts? I mean, how about that? It, Rank versus rank, that's always something when you throw up the slate, like you said, Chad, kind of how it, it goes on the ticker. You get a little bit more talk. Rank versus rank in the opening week is is pretty big. I, you know, that's a, that's only one of three yeah. games in the opening weekend. You got Oregon and Georgia that's at that three thirty slot, and then of course later on in the night at at, at the old shoe up there in uh, Ohio State, it's uh, Ohio State versus Notre Dame. So you know, it's it's always good to have that number by your name. But what were your initial reactions? Um, I thought it was interesting that Arkansas went as high as they did by comparison. Um, also mm-hmm. interesting to me that was it was it UCF that made the top twenty-five, right? Not Houston. No, he, no, Houston that was just in one person's. That was, okay, 
the yeah. other day. There's there's been a lot going on here today, but um, <laughs> uh, good to see the Bearcats in there. Like Chad said, it's always better to be ranked than to not be ranked. Right. Um, but but I don't know. I mean, I put absolutely nothing into preseason rankings. I think yep. it's literally just for media purposes only to try mm-hmm. and sell your first initial matchups. So it's whatever. I I think that preseason rankings are a joke more than anything, but I always love a, a any poll that doesn't have that school up 71, not at number one, I'm all here for. Here's my question. Yeah. Why why, why does Michigan get more, get more of the benefit of the doubt than Cincinnati? I, it's got to be big, what, quarter, big quarterback play. Um, it's not like their quarterback play was – I mean, don't they aren't they aren't they in a QB battle there? I, don't they have two guys? Right, but I think once you know like established names, it's kind of just like a. I I think people just dismiss the whole nine players drafted thing and and kind of look at it like, oh wow, and Desmond Ritter was drafted high. He's a high name that everyone knows about. And just it's not easily to replace a Desmond Ritter at a school like Cincinnati historically. But this is not the historic. This is the Luke Fickle Cincinnati tenure so um i mean i think wouldn't wouldn't aiden hutchinson a generational player i mean i would say not as much as desmond ritter but yeah i mean i mean he was right there at the top of the draft right oh okay yeah sorry yes hutchinson yes i was for some reason i was still thinking about um quarterbacks but yeah hutchinson yes i'd say him and sauce are comparable no doubt. I mean, and, and Michigan, Michigan's eighth, Cincinnati's twenty third. Right. I agree. I agree. It's because it all goes back to their overinflated recruitment rankings. Because if you go to Michigan, you get a little bump. It's, yeah. It's Big Ten bias, same as it always is. And this I is again. I think that might be a. Maybe you need a little bump. A little bump in your life. This is <laughs> solve some of your sleep issues. But this is this is why I don't put anything into preseason rankings. None of it means anything. You're going to see bias all over the place, the same as you always do. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that there's any reason to even have preseason rankings. Period. Uh, people click on them. People talk about them. Exactly. That's I. It's all bullshit. All of it. Well, I think yeah, like like you guys are saying. It's uh, it's it's something to throw out there, obviously. And I, I mean, I'm Notre not... Dame's five with Bobby Boucher at quarterback. Yeah, Notre Dame's five, and and it's just that guy's that guy. Look, yeah, that guy wouldn't win this job. It was a deer, deer and every time he came out there. There's no doubt. He wouldn't win this job. Yeah. Um I don't think he'd beat Ben Bryant or Evan Prater. I think it's easy to just put the teams up there because you won't get as much pushback. But I yeah, think I, I'd start Brady Lichtenberg over that kid. Okay. I sure. Sure. Why not keep keep diving deeper? I mean what Jacob Jacob Hoying probably give him a run for his money after some of the plays he's been throwing. I I don't know. Maybe. It's uh it's an interesting thing to watch because obviously Kind of like Jabari Taylor's a better quarterback than that kid. True. Jabari has a prolific pass. But you know, kind of like what what Aaron said though. You know, I even when you do have an established returning quarterback, 
like like a DJ unga 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 lele. DJ unga yeah. unga lele. Yeah, I'm just trying there. But yeah, he he came in, had a couple of good games. You know, two, two, two years year. ago. Yeah, two years ago. But and then all of a sudden, that puts him up there at two or three, and then all of a sudden he he struggles and they drop out. North Carolina was up there in the top ten last year. Yeah, so a lot of things will will shake and move throughout the early you know stretches of you know the first few weeks. There's going to be a lot of movement, clearly. But it's always good to start ranked than unranked. I think obviously you see an easier chance to rise, especially if you start with a win on the road against a team ranked higher than you. I don't think it's going to be a simple flip flop thing. I think it'll be something where Cincinnati will see a pretty steady rise, pretty quick rise, and then. Yeah, but if you lose, they can just leave you out, right? For a significant period of time. Exactly. So that's why that's why you got to win. Yes, I, I agree. If you lose, you're you're in the same situation that Houston was in last year when they lost to Texas Tech early well, in the season. Arkansas is a little better than Texas Tech, but absolutely no, I I agree. But it it's just just as far as the rankings go, where you know they say, okay, well, you lost your one big test at a conference. You know, you beat an Indiana team at home, and then. That's about it. You, you got to have a big win later on. Maybe, you know, a win at the bounce house at UCF, and then you slide back in the rankings and, and work your way back up. But I agree. You got to win that opening opening game because that's that's the one where people will make the adjustments. You know, a lot of people say that you start the rankings, what, four weeks in is would be a better determinator on, on exactly how the teams are looking instead of just throwing. Even two. Yeah, yeah. Even just to have some – level of uh, a base of knowledge of of what these teams look like are you still going to get it wrong at that point in time yeah because you know it's too early in the season but like even after a week or two but but again we're talking about it we're we're on 15 minutes now right <laughs> it was something that needed to be just just mentioned just mentioned um i'm i'm done talking about it if you guys are but i don't know I, I mean, I was done talking about it after I dropped that it was all bullshit. So, I, well, yeah. I mean, I think you were done talking about it a minute and thirty in to the to the entire podcast. You were like, I don't want to talk more about this stuff that should be in diapers. Just let's 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 carry on. Let's carry on. Well, speaking of carrying on, our wayward son, our wayward son, another good week. Our daughter, fall I hear her in the or, background. Or daughter, the Hi, Brennix. Brennix is saying, I'm ready for round two, Aaron. Come get round two. Let somebody else watch. Anyway, carrying on, though, that number 23 team, Chad, you were again at camp today. I was able to take in a day of practice, a Tuesday night under the lights, and and the the scrimmage on Saturday as well. You've been in two practices since the last podcast. I'm pretty excited. I want want some Brent observations. People get my stuff every day. Are, should we switch the the chairs? Is that what you guys do on the nightcap? Here. Let's let's switch there some chairs. Go. Oh, there we go, Aaron. Drive the bus. Drive the bus. Ask us both questions. No, I, you you. Okay, I, ask me questions. I'm ready. All right. So. Well, wait, wait, wait. First, go to <laughs> Galactic Fried Chicken. They have great chicken. Great sauce. I haven't tried it yet because no one has invited me to go there with them. And I'm not going to go alone and walk in and say, you know, bear cat turn. Or, or I've, I've, gone, I've gone alone twice. I know. Put but your big boy pants on. You'll be fine. It's a little uh, different. 
don't know. So you went Jane, to practice. How are you? Yeah. You I'm went ready. to practice. Yeah. How was the weather? Weather. Uh, Tuesday night was nice. It, it wasn't too bad. Not too muggy. It had had some little little tiny bouts of of a little bit of a, shall we say, added moisture in the air and, and humidity got to me a little bit, but not too bad. And aside from that, the bugs were biting. They you know they go to the sweet to the sweet guys. So that means I've I have, I have bites all over my legs. But other than that, weather was great. Friday was all. I mean Saturday was great as well. Not too hot. Felt good. All right. So you got to see the quarterbacks in action. You got to see the running backs in action. Running backs are a little different during a regular practice as opposed to the scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, but you got to see them at the scrimmage as well. Right. So um, as you look at these two battles, quarterback and running back, what were your takeaways first on the quarterback battle? Uh, quarterback battle. Uh, so Tuesday, Ben Bryant was a little limited, so I didn't get to see – much of him on Tuesday at all, but on Saturday, I thought Ben looked really good. Uh, I thought he had the ability to, to kind of locate the ball a little bit more. I think, you know, Dave obviously has done a good job writing about this from Saturday as, as well as, you know, Chad alluding to it as well. He kind of seems like he has the ability to, to, you know, throw, throw receivers open instead of, you know, trying to, to find the receiver and then locate the ball there. I, I agree with that part a lot. Uh, I think that he, you know, threw Shaman Mateo open on on a deep ball. Also, you know, threw open Nick Mardner on another deep ball with with JQ dressed all over him. Um, he he kind of just has that definite gunslinger approach when it comes to the quarter. Not gunslinger in the sense of he's going to you know drop back and just pummel balls left and right, but more of a can make most of the throws all over the field and fit it into tight windows and at times challenge those tight windows. And I think that's the exact type of quarterback he is. But then Evan, you know, similar thing on Saturday towards the end of practice, he ended the scrimmage. He had some really good balls. Like Will Pauling over the middle was one that comes to mind. And, and he's always a constant threat with his legs. Something that you mentioned as well on Tuesday night, I was saying, you know, I, I mean, that's something that you can't really show in practice is, is, you know, when the bright lights are on, and it's third and seven. Is is Ben Bryant going to be able to see an opening and bust it up the field for a seven yard gain if if the coverage is is kind of all locked in, or because Evan Prater more than likely will be able to if the opening's there. But also, how much you want them running this, that, and the other. But I I mean, it's, it's a clear QB battle. You can see how both sides definitely have certain edges at different moments. But you know, Ben looked really good on Saturday, and I there's no way I could disagree with Dave calling him the dude of the day so right now if it, if the decision was yours to make who would you be going with? you know what i i have until september 3rd to make that decision <laughs> so that is not one i'm going to be making right now on uh, august 15th all right all right um running back another position that is is definitely up for grabs so what were your takeaways on tuesday and saturday Corey kinder's got that it factor he really does um you know he you can just See, he he's brings a little bit more to it when he's out on the field. Uh, he he got he got stuck pretty strong by JQ Hardaway on uh, Tuesday night's practice, and it was a hit hurt around Indiana, I guess you could say. Uh, and it was one that you know JQ sold up. Bring that on Saturday. It's not quite right now, but um, he bounced back up from that, and and he just looks like one of those guys that you know 
when you finish a run and you kind of just roll and you get right back up and you're ready for the next snap type guy. You know what I mean? He's, he's never like slow to get up. He's always just ready for the next play. Finds open hole really well. Uh, my favorite play that he had was one against it. It was inside the 20. It might have been inside the 15. And he had it on the outside. Ivan Pace, good pursuit on him. And, I, you know, Corey kind of just cut back and, and lowered his shoulder, kind of a stiff arm as well, a little, little shiver maybe, and kind of just flattened Ivan Pace. And the whole crowd went wild, if you will. Pretty much media row was like, ooh. And uh, it looked good. But aside from that, I mean, Chuck was getting a lot of runs with the ones. He looks like he's getting that burst back. Uh, Ryan Montgomery, of course, is, is working his way back. Miles Montgomery, you know, had that little botch with a, with a pitch, him and Prater. And then he responded with a 35 yard touchdown run later on in the day, which is probably the best run of the, uh, of the entire Saturday. That had some Jerome Ford to it, boy. Yeah, it did. He, he, he found a crease and didn't, didn't hesitate and just hit it and then turn on the burners and he was past the defense. So I, that really shows his strength. And then, and then your boy, Stephen Bird, man, he is, uh, he's a big dude, big, big dude back there. And, Brady's excited to get his hands on Stefan and, and see what he can turn him into. I laugh when you said uh, that Media Row said, ooh, because I can picture exactly who was probably the people making those noises. Chat Vers- could, could agree. Everyone was, was woo. It was a big, it was, a, it was, it was an impressive play. Okay. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm, I feel like there's some people who weren't saying anything and some who were saying, ooh. Oh. But, I, I I said woo. I, I was that, part of the woo. In crowd. no way, shape, or form does that surprise me. <laughs> uh, so after watching practice, as we were still sticking on the offense, if you had to start three receivers right now, who would you be looking at as the favorable winners of of that? Uh, more the uh, the third spot. Tyler and Trey, sure. pretty easy. Um, and by the way, those guys are just they're just rocks out there. You can just, mm-hmm. they're, it's crazy to think they're, they're kind of the exact same type of like build and look, you know, Trey's a little bit more stout, I would say, but man, they are just, that's going to be a lot to handle for, for some teams out there, especially with like some pick routes. I think Tyler Scott had a touchdown on, on a bit of a pick route in the red zone that, that I really liked, which is something that I don't think the team ran too, too much of, but, Looks like they were, you know, trying to implement a little bit more. Um, and then, I, you know what? Third will be Mardner for me, Nick Mardner. I think he's kind of he's he's turning heads for me. Um, you know, he was he got interviewed and he kind of you know was able to say things along the lines of, you know, I was brought in here to win jump balls, use my body, and do whatever it takes to help the team win. And I, he's doing that. He's absolutely doing that. I think his size is an absolute difference maker. Uh, and he's starting to show that he can run some routes and he has a lot more, you know, he brings a lot more value to the team just than a jump ball guy in the red zone. He's he's showing that he can do a lot more out there at wide receiver. And then when you have a Jaden Thompson and you also have something else as, as, as in, you know, Chris Scott, who had a big catch today, Chad, I want to hear a little bit more about that because Chris Scott – he was, you know, had to 
towards the end of, of the scrimmage, it looked like he was, you know, helped off the field a little bit, but now he's bouncing back. Good to see that he's back full full steam. I want to hear how oh, he wanted doing. he wanted to go in to end the scrimmage. Yeah. That's and they were like is. easy tiger. Uh basically the word they, they have no clue how he didn't tear his ACL, but he didn't. <laughs> like it was it was your quintessential non-contact like plant injury and he collapsed in a heap and we were all like oh no yeah because he's having a great camp he's been running some with the ones he's probably your most sure-handed wide receiver option like and, and boom he was back out there today caught one over the here over the shoulder on about a 45 yard throw from Ben Bryant and took it to the house, sixty-five yard touchdown. It was it was pretty. And he he's got that edge to him, you know. He's uh, uh, yeah. He's a guy that that on that play that you know he kind of got little little hurt on or whatnot on Saturday. It was one where some receivers might pull up and not try and go for the catch because it was kind of in a in the middle of a field con- congested area. But he's a guy that's going to go all out. I mean, you saw in the spring game when when you know he was he was held out just for precautionary reasons. Jamal Williams had like a scoop and score, and and there's there's him just running down the field. It's it just the way that he's a gamer. I think is something that the whole team admires, and I think that's why everyone talks so highly about him. Um, Will Pauling is another name I want to mention because he got he had super splash. He's had a good. He's had a good. Quietly had a really good camp. I mentioned that oh, yeah. the other day. Oh yeah. Well, well, he he like made a you know a big splash. His his true freshman season, what in spring camp, I believe is is when he was getting a lot of yeah, pub. That's true. And then of course, and also in in at higher ground going yeah. into his freshman season, right. but right. he was quiet this year in spring ball. Right. I he's he's catching a lot of balls. He looks yeah. like he's ready to make a big impact. Um, I I could see, man. It, just imagine like just confusing the crap out of some defensive coordinators when you have six foot six, 270, Josh Wiley going down and you got to defend that. And then quickly they, they run in Will Pauling to at the same position, running a, running a different route. They've got to just start be freaking out. Not really sure. Okay. How are we going to defend this now? They're, they're bringing in this guy who's shifty as all get out. We can't keep the same guy on him. It's a, it's a very good luxury to have. And that brings me right to my next question, which would be about the tight ends. As oh. you bring up Wiley, as you bring up, you know, scheming for things that you can't stop. So do you think we're going to see some three tight end sets this yeah. season? And how often do you think we're going to see three tight end sets? Because it's there going was... to be terribly difficult to keep Wiley, Lenny, and Shimon Mateer all yeah. off the field. I, uh, there was 12 and 13 personnel a few times at the scrimmage. Um, I I think the most important aspect of that is that the whole K position that was kind of, you know, implemented last season is I, I think that's alive and well this year where you could put Josh Wiley out and treat him as a wide receiver spread out. And then you can have Lenny even spread out, put as a wide receiver, yeah. even Shaman too. And I, I mean, you, you saw 12 personnel kind of right away. As a scrimmage, uh, and, and the defense had to respond by putting Ivan Pace on the field and, and taking out Taj Ward. But I mean, they have just so many weapons, man. And and Shimon has had a somewhat quiet fall camp. I think it's because you know, obviously, 
you know, Josh is back and, and Lenny is Lenny. So that kind of just slides him a little bit down the totem pole. But aside from that, Shaman had, had a great diving catch where Ben Bryant threw him open, but it takes a really good player to, to, to jump up and snag that ball as you're falling to the ground. So Shaman flashed on Saturday. And I think, yeah, get as much, you know, 13 personnel as you can out there. And even Peyton Singletary had a couple of good plays as well. So, you know, it's uh, always does like that guy is just always producing. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's showing that the up next is just right there. You know, I, you know, the, uh, the Yahoo sports, the, the podcast chat, I'm, I'm slipping on the name right now. The college football inquire. You talk football inquire. Yeah. Um, they drafted their top, you know, non-conference games. I was just listening to, to it real quick before we came on. And one one of the picks, it was like one of the top ten non-conference games was Cincinnati at Arkansas, and they uh, and and Pat Forty jumped on, and and Pat Forty is you know what he is, but he he jumped on. And he said, I think I think the Bearcats aren't getting as much love as they deserve because Ever. all these all these players that are that are filling in for the nine players that got drafted and and the other players that moved on to the NFL and whatnot, they're all being replaced by high level players. We just don't know the names of them yet, and. Well, they don't know the names of them. Yeah, well, I was kind of just like direct quoting Pat Forty. But, uh, yeah, and so it's just, you know, that'll be exactly when you see a player like Shaman Mater, who they're like, who is a third-string tight end coming in? And then you see randomly maybe Peyton Singletary's in because Josh Wiley's out for one or two snaps, and Peyton comes in with a, you know, 13-yard reception or something along those lines. So, I mean, it's, it's a deep, 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 talented tight end room, and it's blatantly obvious both days. Thank you for the donation, Richard. We appreciate it, as always, sir. Um, that brings me to offensive line. Yeah. So offensive line, and I know it's it's always one of the harder positions to watch when you're watching you know, on the offense because they're not the guys making the big flashy plays, the big sexy plays right. all the time. Um so what stood out to you as you took in the offensive line? And I, I especially wanted to make sure we mentioned this as it appears one of the, uh, the linemen's parents are in, in the chat right now. Well, I, I mean, I, I thought that the offensive line, the, uh, you know, the whole mantra of iron sharpens iron is something that you hear every single player mention whenever they're interviewed. You, you know, the coaches mention it continuously. And it's blatantly obvious when the defensive line is going up against the offensive line. Um, I mean, those are three grown men across that defensive line just going at it every single day. And I, from what I was able to take away on Tuesday, it, it was it was like the defensive line was doing a great job kind of owning the line of scrimmage. And, you know, when you throw on the full pads and, and the defensive line is kind of in a in a groove and, you know, the offense is kind of just throwing out plays left and right instead of scripting things and, and, and kind of, you know, attacking weaknesses of the opponent and, and game planning, the defense is going to have an advantage in those situations, especially on the defensive line. When you, when, when the defense line has gotten Evan Prater and, and Ben Bryant's cadence down to a T now, and they kind of know, okay, this is going to be go time. It's, there's really no hiding the, the, the snap count or whatnot, it's kind of like, okay, and they know when you line up a certain way, they know offensive lineman tendencies at this point. They know, hey, if he's dipping his shoulder this way or that way, I'm going to attack this or that. But the way that the defensive line is doing that is just strengthening the offensive line as well. I thought Saturday the offensive line did a really good job 
Um, defense line still gave them everything they had, but I'm all about cohesion on the offensive line. And you heard today, Renfro was talking about having, you know, Dylan Quinn next to him at, at the guard position. He really likes that feeling. And the Huber is just making some big, big moves on that right side as well. So, uh, you know, from what I was able to see, if I kind of like the quarterback position where the staff wants to have something kind of solidified so they can work on the cohesion, work on coming up with, you know, an identity, I think is what Chad called it, and, and kind of able to have this is what we're going to be rolling into week one. I think that's it's even more important to do so on the offensive line as well. So I, I think there's an offensive line situation this week that's that's more important than anything you've mentioned. At, I'd say Gavin Gerhardt. At, at left guard. Like yeah. Gavin Gerhardt is making a charge. Yeah. To be the starting left guard. Like yeah. I talked to I talked to Renfro about it today. He said he took Gavin took 90 plus snaps. Right. On Saturday, because Back, he was backup he center was rotating right between the second team at center and the first team at right guard, and I know the staff. Um, right guard or left guard? Left, left guard. Sorry, the the staff has been thrilled with Gavin Gerhardt and feel like he deserves an opportunity to prove, like he deserves an opportunity not to be pigeonholed in. As just as the, the backup, backup center. center. Right. Because he was a guard. And the only reason the center thing happened was because they didn't have a backup center. Right. So Gavin Jakari spent all to, of last year. Yeah, Jakari left. Gavin Gerhardt spent all of last year learning how to play center. And then the spring, with Renfro out, he proved he was pretty good at it. Like, he proved he had come, he had worked, he had put in the time, he had taken it serious, and he had become a competent first team center. Right. Like, I don't remember really anywhere in the spring where we were like, boy, they really, and obviously they really need to get Renfro back, but I don't remember any time specifically where we were like, man, they really have to get Renfro back for this team to reach its, its potential. And now they've given him a chance to compete at guard. And he has quickly made that a competition with the incumbent in Jeremy Cooper. Um, That one is becoming one of the more interesting camp battles because you're starting to see a lot more Gavin Gerhardt running with the ones at left guard. So that one's great. Um, the Joe the Joe Huber story is great, and I, I spent a lot of time today. And his dad Jim is in here talking to Jim uh, in the in the DMs, mm-hmm. um, getting more of the story because obviously Joe is uh, Joe is very quiet. From his silence comes violence, which I don't know how that's not a shirt. Like one of the coolest Jim, coolest Jim things says, out there. He, Jim says he's he's making shirts, but like we need to get. Joe, a uh, five one three shirts deal. From his silence comes violence. Like, where's Mike? Are you in here? If Mike's in here, we need to we need to get that that ball rolling before somebody else jumps in and, and picks that bad boy up. But um, you know, his dad told me he he didn't play a varsity snap in high school until his senior year, and there was even some talk, like in the family, like, are you are is football? Are you really gonna like? Are you gonna play this year? And he did, and clearly that worked out well. 
<laughs> uh, and oh, his dad made a great come. point. His dad made a great point. Kids like Joe are have been drastically impacted by the early signing day. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like, we look at this class now. This class was wrapped up, essentially, before we even got to August. Right. So guys that have a big senior year, like a late bloomer, a guy that really comes on late, mm-hmm. like a, a Joe Huber did in his final year of high school football, the spots are full. Yeah. Like, uh, teams aren't really looking anymore. Like, unless a team missed um, or they're, you know, they had a kid decommit or whatever the case may be, they're not really on the market for, like, under-the-radar guys that had big senior years. Um, so that's kind of how he fell under the radar. And I guess the the defensive coordinators, his defensive coordinator's brother at the high school he was at, was a graduate assistant at Cincinnati. So he came to watch his brother play and was like, whoa, <laughs> who's this guy right tackle? Like, right. Might, might need to take a look at that. And then got in t- got him in touch with Ron Crook. And uh, that's how he, that's his path to becoming a walk-on at UC. Uh, wrestler, which we know Luke Fickle loves. One of those kids, it, it, he didn't tell the, I guess he didn't tell the full story today. Like he built up, he wasn't like Ethan Green was, was, you know, a big time wrestler from his freshman year all the way through. Joe Huber had like a a gradual climb Mm -hmm. and by his senior year, got good, qualified for states. And then two days before state COVID wiped out the state wrestling tournament. So he didn't even get to to compete at state his senior year. Um, But just a great story of a kid that, that continued to work. Um, he's only the third wrestler in Dublin Jerome history to make it to States. Um, both sides of the ball team MVP, first team, all district, first team, all conference, third team, all state. And a kid that just continued to work and put the work in. I know, um, just from talking to the guys, his teammates love him. Yeah. Because he's just a guy that, that does everything you ask of him. Doesn't have a thing to say. Uh, and and just bullies people on that right side of the line. And and for me, what I love is, you know, he had the door open to opportunity. Mets had surgery on his ankle. That opened up a spot in the spring. So he stepped in at right guard in the spring and then through the summer continued to develop. They tried him at right tackle to start <coughs> to start camp. <coughs> and he has kind of retained that spot and and hasn't let it go. And I love that stuff, man. I, I love yeah. seeing a kid that put in the work behind the scenes, earned the trust of his teammates, um, and and has quickly become like a you know a team favorite for for what he has put in, the work he has put in and and the meteoric rise. Like generally when you see like walk on lineman starts getting run that's in like year four, year five, right? Like they've been around forever. Right. Um, you know, finally rewarded at the end of their career. Right. It happened with with uh, Garrett Campbell. You know, it just so happened that he played eight years. 
So by year five, he's he's in the rotation. Then he got four more years of playing. T- <laughs> I, I I I like messing even more with Garrett now than I normally do because I found out his girlfriend's mom, and we've shouted her out on this podcast before. I found out his girlfriend's mom is a regular uh, viewer of this podcast, um, and she texts Gavin every time that we mention his name. So. <laughs> Garrett, yeah. Um, so Garrett, sorry. <laughs> you're good. But no, I I completely agree. And also the whole wrestling thing, once you're able Karen, to Karen that. Kelly. Karen Kelly is her name. Hi, Karen. Hi, Karen. Thank you for listening. Uh, but yeah, once you get past you know your wrestling career and you decide you're you aren't gonna continue going that route, then the the weight limit restrictions kind of get get lifted and you have yeah. the ability to then fill out your six foot five frame that you carry as well. And, and instead of 230 or 260 or 270. And if you right. if you look at Joe in the video today, like he carries the weight well. Yeah. Yeah. In in the way that, that Jake Renfro was saying on your interview that he kind of it sounds like he, he works out, you know, he, he works in the shadows, if you will. Just kind of well, another you know, engineering when, major. We love yeah, those when, guys. Exactly. Exactly. When maybe when not no as talkative as one of our other engineering major friends that going to be joining this podcast on monday nights in a couple weeks right maybe a little bit more quiet than him yeah a little bit (laughs) but but you know what chad chad but you know what from his silence comes violence that that's just phenomenal that's phenomenal oh man i like that so much but yeah i just works in the shadows and and comes out into the light now he's firmly in the light and you know the iron sharpens iron continues because now mets is getting a absolute push for his money he's he's learning you know how to how to really anchor down at the right tackle position on top of knowing how to do right guard in this offense with mike cummings and he's pretty like he's gonna be a right tackle now with cam jones out yeah like they don't have another right tackle really to to mix in so and but you luckily i mean i guess like luckily the thing is on that right side all three of those guys can play both positions. Yeah. Between right. O'Quinn, between uh, Joe Huber, and between Mets. Mets, yeah. You can move them. Like, that's – when you're when you're talking about depth, especially on the offensive line, mm-hmm. it's also about versatility. Vinny McConnell because, is, is – Yeah. Exactly. Like, he could have bounced to three or four different spots on the line. Right. Um, so, I think you feel pretty good. I, Mets is still, I think – getting his confidence back on that ankle. I mean, right. look, that is as large of a human as you'll ever see. <laughs> and to have an ankle, like, all the way down at the bottom that's supporting six foot eight, six foot nine, 330 pounds, you got to build your, not just the strength in your ankle, but you have to build your confidence up and like getting back out there and being able to move and play in space and, and, and do all the things that you have to do as an offensive lineman. So. And then that's um, when you also throw in the fact that, yeah, it, Lawrence Metz is pretty new to playing the game of football and of course playing on the offensive line as well. So yeah. it's not only is it, you know, getting trust in that ankle, it's getting trust of playing football and offensive line while de- dealing with that sort of an injury as well. So um, it, it, it's a luxury to, to have, kind of Joe Huber fall right into the lap of Mike Cummings. And it's another situation where, you know, I'm I'm not saying it would have been the case, but, you know, you get a fresh face 
in there in the offensive line room, and now all of a sudden you're seeing who is who is this Huber guy? This this guy is working his tail off. He's coming out here. He looks really really good whenever we put him in these situations. So let's give him a little bit more run, and now you have the situation that you have right now. So right, it's exciting. Um, but I think that's probably the one group that is most excited to to hit uh, an opposing team, if you will, to to go up against uh, an opposition that doesn't have C. Paul on their helmet as well. So, well, and that again transitions me very easily into another group that wants to hit an opposing team, your defense. And as we flip to the other side of the ball, let's talk defensive line. As we talk defensive line, I think everybody has a pretty good idea that it's going to be Jabari Taylor, Malik Van, Juwan Briggs, maybe not in that order as far as the line goes. Briggs but... better watch himself. Well, and... <laughs> so that's what I wanted to get to was who impressed you as far as the backups? Because I know some of the guys that are backing up this defensive line are beginning to make some waves. Um, well, on Tuesday, it was actually Jabari who was playing on the outside and on the inside at the same time. It was very strange. Wasn't that strange, Chad? Having no, a 90, having a 90 no, on the outside and on the inside. No, oh, wait, no, 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 wasn't. no. Oh, no, wait. That was not, no, wasn't. that was not Jabari. That was actually, that was not the, the Jabari on the inside than. was an imposter. None other than Dante Corleone. That's that guy is, he's, he is a, He's, he's load, charging man. hard. Like, <laughs> he's a load. He you is. can't move him. I talked to Renfro about that today. Like it, it's not with Briggs. It's he it's, moves his you. ability to move you. With Corleone, it's your inability to move him. Yeah, he doesn't budge. Like I'll see the, the Ger- Gerhard Renfro. They'll get their hands on him. And it's just like we're we're, we're staying right here. <laughs> Stand off. I'm not going that way. No. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you push, no matter how hard you try, he is anchoring I'm sorry. down. This is a, this good is luck to No, 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 no. I I mean you're right though, but but yeah, he was wearing the number ninety uh, on on Tuesday. I think his his got might have gotten ripped or something. A lot of holding has been going on inside. Needing repairs. Yeah. Side. Yeah. That was when Malik was wearing number four, which yeah. You know, he he should make the switch to four. He looks like he looks he looks like a lean pass rushing machine with number four on. I'll tell you that much. But um, but yeah, I, I mean Dante Corleone is the easy answer to that. He's making some moves up the depth chart. I think uh, you know obviously Eric, Eric Phillips is another name that I would mention. He I had him down for a sack in the scrimmage on on Saturday. He just looks like a guy who you know it's his time now. Uh, kind of, you know, along the lines of, of, of a Jabari Taylor, if you will, of, of a Curtis Brooks and, you know, Elijah Ponder, you keep going back. Uh, Eric Phillips kind of seems like it's his time to step up and take that extra role. Um, Noah Potter, he he flashed in the in the scrimmage as well. I had yeah. him down for a sack. Uh, looks like he's, he's another one of those guys that transfers in, you know, Darian Beavers, Juwan Briggs, Noah Potter, where – it, it might take a little while for them to, you know, kind of just play without thinking, just go out there and just play how you know how to play. And and it seems like he uh, started to grasp that a little bit more in the scrimmage. Uh, well, you got to remember, he like he wasn't here in the spring, right? Right. No, yeah. you know, like this yeah. is, you know, when he when he got to higher ground, those are the first real snaps he's taking taken as a Bearcat. So yep. it, it's going to take a little bit of time. I, like, it, yeah, like Justin and I have talked a lot about at practice, like waiting for 
the Noah Potter, like when when is that push right gonna come from Noah Potter? And over the past week or so, past four, four, five, six practices, yep. uh, each day we've started to see a little bit more and a little bit more from him. So that's good. I mean, and- last year his eyeball fell out. Ouchie. That's a that's a tough one to see coming. But uh anyway, um so yeah. But hey, he's back. I'm excited to see what he's gonna bring. A lot of excitement. But uh <laughs> good job, good job there, Chad. But uh anyway, so the one thing I liked, you know, speaking of Justin, uh he, he had a good article on the D-line as well. And and kind of some things that Jabari was saying was that you know they might not have that that speed rusher on the outside, but they have three guys who work their tails off, who are strong as all get out, and who are smart, that know how to play the game of football the way that they need to with their size and with their skills. And, you know, I, not not every time is that, you know, speed rushing around the tackle and, and looping and coming in for a sack. Sometimes it is collapsing the pocket. Sometimes it is, you know, putting your guy right into the face of the quarterback. And, uh, well, that's potentially, I think that's the big thing, right? Is yeah. the best way to get a pass rush, the best way to sack a quarterback yeah. consistently is to remove his ability to be comfortable in the pocket. Right. And then let everything else kind of play out as that happens. Yeah. They're, you're going to see a lot of that between, um, between Briggs and between Damo, Perry, and between. Corleone, there's going to be pressure up the middle, right? And and Curtis Brooks, that defense was at its best last year when Curtis Brooks and Marcus Brown, yeah, impacted the pocket straight up the middle, and then everything else happened around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I I rewatched the Notre Dame game a few weeks ago, and at the end of the game, it was the the power rushing. Yeah, front of Jabari Malik, and I, I, I don't know if it was Curtis in the middle or, or Brown. Not it, it, it might have been Brown. One of those but, two. but yeah, they were flipping, and those are the ones that were getting the heavy pressure on at the end when it was you know crunch time for for Notre Dame, and that was when Malik got a half sack and broke his finger, and that was when Jabari also got a half sack late late in that game. So I, I mean, they've they've done it before, and it's going to be something that we see. Every Saturday, and then if you're able to rotate in, you know, players like Eric Phillips, who's going to bring a little bit more speed, probably, and, and a little dynamic on the outside. You bring an absolute rock that you cannot move in the middle, and then you bring on the other side potentially Noah Potter or Justin Watley, who's who had made some plays as well. I, you know, it's a, it's it's not. I don't think the depth's quite there yet, but man, it, it is right there, knocking on the door. And especially with, with with Dom Perry and sorry, well Dom Perry too, but with Dante Corleone and, and Eric Phillips. Well, so defensive line clearly impressive as a unit, but moving to an even more impressive unit in my eyes is the linebacker position. Yeah, and I guess I want to position you with this question. Ready? Can you recall a more I, I guess a better linebacker group than this linebacker group for Cincinnati. Like, is there another linebacker group that you were this excited to see on the field? I mean, 
they, they could be maybe the best line linebacker unit that this team's ever had. Yeah, I mean, last year, obviously. Um, we have to go back one year. Yeah. And, I, I mean, Darren Beavers and Jordan Blanco, they're both getting snaps at, you know, mm-hmm. in, in NFL preseason games and, and in training camps. So that would be the, the easy Beaver answer. part of that group, and Pace yeah. and Van Fossil were part of that group. Like, yep. Jaheim when needed as well. Yeah. Um, so but, the answer is last year, Aaron. I Well, that's where I disagree because I think I'm more excited about this unit than I was last unit. Last year. Oh, just being more excited doesn't mean that they're better. Well, my question was, more can you recall a linebacker unit that you've been this excited for? Yes, last year. I was not as excited last year as I am this year. I was very excited last year. Right. But I, I think that this is, I don't know, like I said, I think this has a chance to be the best. Aaron, after- Aaron, I'm hiding because I, this is Brent's segment. Like I'm, I'm, I'm giving Brent some shine, but I still talk too much, so it's not really working. No, you that, are. That You're question a great for the YouTube users that that question came from a Twitch user, UCF Superfan. <laughs> but uh, yeah. UCF Superfan is a, a regular uh, here. Hi, UCF Superfan. The Golden um, Knights. The Very Knights good. of Gold. There we go. But yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think back as well to players like Drell White and Perry Young. Those are some linebackers that got me excited, you know? But now you've got players like Jaheim Thomas. And, you know, it's kind of like what Dave said on the on the BCJ pod. And and I pointed it out to Chad. I was like, I was like, these dudes are huge. And Chad was like, well, yeah, they're they're big. And I was like, I was like, no, I'm talking about these two in general. And it was Wilson Huber and Jaheim Thomas standing next to each other. And they mm-hmm. are both that you know, it's like two Darian Beavers out there. If if you remember how just physically Athletically like imposing Darian Beavers was last year. Darian Beavers and Joel DeBlanco standing <laughs> next to each other. Well, 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 I think Huber's got a little bit more height to him. Um, and I think, I think, like, DeBlanco's a pretty, like, DeBlanco was a big dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I'm, DeBlanco I'm not, was not a I'm small not discounting linebacker. anything about Joel. No, no way. I was a big, I was a big Joel advocate. On a, on a side note, how about him leading the Seattle Seahawks in tackles a week after getting signed by the Seattle Seahawks? It's Joe DeBlanco. What would you That's expect? what he does is tackle people. The robot, man. That's all he like. I will tackle you. I'm not certain that he wasn't engineered by Alec Pierce to play on the football team. <laughs> Pearson, yeah. Pearson, uh, and Royer. And Royer came yeah, up with built, that one. Well, well, Royer gave him the personality. Joe Huber is their intern. <laughs> Just saying, John Williams coming in every once in a while. No, I. So the the I thing think John Williams is aerospace engineering. So not. It's a different. When they send Joel to the moon, it's going to be John Williams. <laughs> he's out there in space somewhere. But uh, yeah, no, I agree. I, so so the thing is with this group though, it's like. So you have Jaheim, who is clearly going to be used a lot in that pass rushing off the edge, because uh, you know when twelve personnel was out there. They bumped Jaheim out to that stand-up end, and and they brought Ivan Pace in. But oh, there's a name for you, Ivan Pace. I mean, that guy is wrecking ball. He is like, he's like Darrell White plus, you know, fifty pounds. <laughs> like, it's it's just it is crazy seeing what Ivan Pace does out on the on the football field because you would see that big guy and you'd be like, why isn't he lining up over the center and getting down in a three-point stance? Instead, you see him moving in space, blitzing a gap, 
running down a, a tackle it, it, unless it's unless it's Corey Kiner and he does a quick move and lays a shoulder into you. But uh, just joking. But anyway, I, Ivan is going to give the ability for Jaheim to, to never get tired, to constantly be going. And in a name that we kind of just like throw out there and, and Wilson Huber, like we don't really mention Wilson Huber too, too much outside of just like knowing that he's going to be a rock in the middle. But that guy, it's his sideline to sideline is great. He knows what he's doing out there and, and he has all the confidence in the world. He's he's truly a leader of the defense on top of it all. So, I mean, I don't know. It's it's it hits a scary second level. And then when you have players like Jonathan Thompson and and Jack Dingle, you know, making plays. I, I mean, it's a it's a it's a linebacker room where you know when, whenever you talk to Coach Tressel, and, and you see him in interviews, he's got a different little little oomph to his step. You know. Even even warming up on Saturday, it just looked like he's got a little bit more of a bravado feel to him, and it might just be the comfortability of it being year two with him at defense coordinator. I'm sure but, there's oh, definitely something to be said for that. Right. Or it could also be the fact that he's got some really quiet, high-level confidence in this group that he's got because, I mean, Deshaun Pace and Ty Van Fossen, I you return those two after what they did last year, I mean, it's just – Everything else added on top of that is just more luxury, and it's it's really, really good. All right, so the next position I want to talk to you about is uh, cornerback, mm-hmm. as there's been a lot of dudes flying around at cornerback. We've heard from Chad that the ones and the twos, I mean, receivers getting work regardless of who's in, whether right. it's the ones, whether it's the twos, whether it's ones and twos, whether it's twos and ones, whatever. Yeah. What were your thoughts walking away from Tuesday and Saturday on that particular position? Uh, you know what? I, I I do think, and I think Chad would agree with this, I do think that the group will let up some some, some, some catches that we aren't used to seeing. But there are times where I thought every single cornerback was as good in coverage as you, know, you would really want a starting cornerback on a high-level team like Cincinnati to be. Um, like, you know, Shepard, for example, on, on Tuesday, I thought that he wasn't, you know, he didn't quite dominate the day on Tuesday, if you will. But I thought, I thought in the scrimmage, he did a really good job bouncing back and he made some good plays downfield, knocked a, knocked a would be catch out of Jane Thompson's hands early in the uh, game. Uh, had, had a couple of good deep contests on, you know, Nick Mardner and, and some other receivers. I thought that he got better as the day developed. Uh, you know, JQ let up a touchdown to Nick Mardner, but then a little bit later, he's he's making more plays in, in the secondary, and he is every bit as tall as as Chad. I think someone was asking if he's legit 6'3", 6'4". I think he is in that 6'3", to 6'4", range, more than saying he's like 6'3", but really he's 6'1". He is, a, he is a big dude. He is tall, long, athletic, and, you know, it's a – as as he just continues to get more and more reps, he's only going to get better. And uh, I think Arquan's the big big one here. I think that you've got to rely heavily on Arquan week one against Arkansas, where if the Razorbacks come out and they kind of show their hand early in the game and they show what they're going to attack, well, you've got to tell Arquan, hey, it looks like they're really attacking the boundary a lot. And, and I don't know, bump him out there if need be or whatnot, but I think that that early I'm not ruling season. out him starting at boundary. Yeah, know. right, right, right. No, I agree. I, I guess if if uh, that that transfer that they got in Hazelwood, I, I mean, if they if 
he is developing into a huge, you know, piece of that of, of that Arkansas offense, and he looks like he's going to be, you know, their boundary wide receiver and and get a get a bunch of looks like they did last year. Then yes, I think you've got to put Arquan on him and just say, hey, we've best on best. We got to we got to try and shut this down. So, um, I think Arquan talk, San Fran. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, uh, just stick with the tonk, just stick with the tonk for those in the audio format. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the donation tonk. Yeah. Tonk. I just wanted to get Brent to do the tonk. Tonk. But anyway, anyway, I, I think Arquan's going to have a huge stick to sports. (laughs) I'm trying mom. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Arquan's kind of the, uh, the heartbeat of the cornerbacks. And I mean, I, I think everyone else is just like really solid. You know what I mean? I like there were, there were a couple plays where, you know, there was nothing open and a sack would have been a sack, but they, you know, obviously can't hit the quarterback. So completion was made downfield, you know, different plays of that. It's kind of different in a game setting, obviously, but I, I think Arquan, you got to ride him for a while but JQ's knocking on the door. I thought Shep had some good reps. Um, Chad, Chad, you said Shep had the best day that you you can remember today. Yeah, which... he had a really good day today. I, I think he's continuously, like, I know we all love the idea of JQ, and JQ right. has made plays mm-hmm. every day of camp. But Shep is having a good camp, like, especially as we've gotten farther along in camp. I thought it was a little bit of a bumpy start. Right. But he's gotten better. I think he's gotten appreciably better as he continues to get the number one reps and continues to build that confidence. So that's going to be a fun – like, JQ's going to have to win that job. Shep's not giving it to him, which right. I think is is great for JQ's development. Yeah. Great. No, I agree. I agree. Because it's now that. it's not like, look, we have to give the young kid a chance. Now it right. is the young kid gets a chance when the, the young kid earns the chance, which he's – also doing every day, a sack today, an interception today, mm-hmm. a couple passes defended today. Like JQ is rising to the occasion, but Shep is not iron sharpens iron, right? Like, right. I know this is this is why I love Fick. Tangent here. This is why I love Fick. It's not bullshit, right? It's not brick by brick. It's not hold the rope. It is legitimate, like, we are going to get better every day because these guys are going to have to push each other every day yep. or they're going to get tossed aside. Right. Yeah, I, and the thing is that, you know, I, after Shep on Tuesday, because he, you know, he, he didn't blaze the world on fire on Tuesday when I was there. Uh I mean, he could have, you know, withered and, and kind of been like, oh, man, this this freshman who everyone's talking up, he's really good on the outside. But no, I feel like he stepped his game up, and he's he's going to match that. And you know what that only does on Saturdays? It makes the, the opposing team have to deal with J.Q. Shed- sorry, with, with – well, sure, we'll call it J.Q. Shepard, the combo of them on the boundary if, if, <laughs> if Arquan <laughs> does move to field. You know, they've got to deal, deal with Jaquan Shepard and deal with J.Q. Hardaway, and then – you know what? If you got a game full of them at their highest level, just think when the fourth quarter rolls around. You know, and and it is crunch time for the opposing team. 
you know, if you have a fresh, fresh cornerback, boundary cornerback who's been pushed all offseason by the other and, and by this wide receiver group, I mean, that's that's when winning time happens. And if you have two guys that can do it, then that's all the luxury in the world. So it's going to be one of the JQs. How about that? There we go. How about that? Safety. Uh, I know you're going to have safety next, right? It's going to be the last one, man. Hicks Hicks looked really good on Saturday, I thought. Um, just, just a veteran, you know? He's just got that veteran feel to him where, like, he knows what he's doing. He should. He started for three years. He doesn't have, you know, he's not trying to be all flair out there. He he had a good, you know, tip on a ball that was intended for Josh Wiley that got intercepted by Big Jabari. Uh, you know, I, he's just so steady. Um, and then other than that, I, I think you just see so many other options at that second spot. You know what I mean? I It just, I think walking away from it, it's going to be threats to start off. Uh, and it, the way that he just kind of throws his body around, flies around the field. And I know those are cliche statements, but I mean, they're, they're pretty true for him. He, he uses his body as a strength. And um, I, th- I think we'll see more of his effect when they do allow these guys to just all out hit. And that'll be at Arkansas. I think you'll see him lay some big hits uh, pretty early in that one. Uh, but Aside from that, I just think it's the, the defense as a whole. You know, like you had stars at safety all throughout the past few years. But this mm-hmm. defense as a whole just kind of doesn't leave, at least from what I've seen, doesn't leave many opportunities for the safety out on an island all by themselves because of this, that, and the other. It just seems like the cohesion's all the, already there across the board. Um, I think threats as that level of, of athleticism and toughness that you want to want to see come up from that last level and, and hit hit a running back or you know hit hit a receiver over the middle and and let them know hey he, don't he don't come did, don't to come be fair, yeah to be fair he got picked on a little today okay we learned we learned something today what's that Brian threats is not big enough to cover Josh Wiley oh really I I thought that'd be quite the opposite you just learned that today uh yes well yes today was the first day that they really uh they were running a lot of uh blitz stuff today and i'm not talking like um like sending five right i'm talking sending seven zero coverage like man on man with no help like you're on your island good luck you have to defend your guy and mm-hmm. his guy that he had to defend was Josh Wiley. And that was not a great matchup for Brian Threats. Can't imagine that went well. <laughs> well, you put David DeJulius up against Kalu with Zeke Bay in a rebounding drill. I think Kalu's going to come up with a lot of rebounds there. Well, but I look, the reality is, though, Threats is a safety. Part of yeah. his responsibility is going to be covering tight ends. No, I agree. I, but so, also, Chad, do you think, though, the catch might be made? If the if the pass rush doesn't get to the quarterback, but threats more than likely will be bringing him down right away. You know what I mean? That was not the case today. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Josh had a big day. Okay. Josh had a big day, and uh, he did have a drop. I reminded of that after practice, and he said, "Chad, we're supposed to be positive. <laughs> we're supposed to be positive out here. Why are you always focusing on the negative?" And you should have said, "Because you're a freak, man. Because you're." I said, an I'm trying freak. to motivate. I'm trying to motivate you. Like I'm I'm here to motivate you. I don't Josh, think he really he wasn't he didn't buy it. 
Josh, you're a freak, man. You are. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I, I guess for me, uh, I, I mean, that's an NFL. I player. think threats is going to be really good. I like, yes, yeah. I think threats is going to be really, I think he, you know, he has that ability to move, to cover, to play in space, to, to be physical, even though he, you know, he's not a big kid. Um, but he's at a really good camp. Yeah. Today he got picked on a little bit. And it's like everybody asks me, like, what about this guy? What about that guy? What about this? What about look? We have a lot of content to fill here on Bearcat Journal right now. If it happens in practice, we're gonna talk about it. That's just accurate. That, that's we don't have a choice. <laughs> we got a lot of time to fill. You know, we got we got a couple hours tonight. We got got a lot more on Wednesday. We got nightcaps every night. We got practice reports every day. We got player videos. We got a lot to a lot of a lot of space to fill. Right. So we're gonna talk about it. If you haven't heard about, it. oh, and to the guy that asked that, uh, Mario Eugenio was running with the threes today and made a play. Okay. It was the first time. First time I jotted him down in the notebook. Also, uh, Madden drops at midnight tonight. So there'll probably be some Twitch streams coming up soon. So yeah, I need I haven't bought it. I haven't prepaid for it yet. I need to I guess I need to get that done. Well it's probably not gonna be for another week or so for me at least until I get out of camp. And 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 also with Mario, uh during warm-ups on Saturday, I was watching the D-line a little bit and it was Malik Mann who was constantly on Mario the entire warm-up session. Malik has, so. has definitely taken him under his wing. Is uh, you know, some some kids come in, they feel like they got to figure it out, and the old heads got to remind them, like we were you, and now we're us, and we need to get you to be us. They call him Rio, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Rio, Rio. yeah, it's a good nickname, good movie, but. Uh... Anything else, Aaron? It's dropping oh, two letters off his name, man. Come on. Um, anything else? Yeah, I, I guess I want to hear what uh, your final thoughts on uh, special teams as a whole, because um, I know uh, Kicker has been a little bit of a roller coaster. Not Ryan Coe, don't you know? Not not crazy highs and lows, but uh, I mean, there's been there's been some movement. So uh, just just drop your thoughts on special teams as a whole. Uh, Mason Fletcher. He is a beast. Um, I think that they're not going to skip a beat. And, and Chad, I'm I'm going to die on this hill that I still think it's going to be Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott as the Gunners. They've been the number one Gunners. We are we are the number one Gunner podcast uh, in the country. The uh, no other podcast in the country is talking about uh, <laughs> the the Gunners on special teams. It's an uh, important position. at all. No one at, at all. all. No, no one at all. We are. The, it's we an are the important only one. position. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, those two are as good as there is in the country at, at getting downfield and um, forcing fair catches. Yep. So it, here's the thing that's that, uh, here's the thing that's interesting with that. Those two are so good at it that you're almost not even risking anything by having them do it because all they do is just run really fast. And then stand next to the guy and wait for him to catch the punt. There's, right. there's no collisions. There's no. There's right. no ill intent. There's you know nothing bad comes of it. 
they just stand next to the guy, watch him catch the punt, and then they jog off the field and let the defense come on. Yep. I and then hey. Drew Drew Donnelly and uh, and Will Pauling were second team, and I could easily see both. Those of two guys are also really fast and and could be very good at that role as well. Right. I just want to point out to Stephen Chenault, who asks, what's next, talking about the long snapper? Uh, if they were the best in the country at long snapping the ball, you're damn right. We would talk I mean, about the long snapper. Well, I, I'd say Case of Viper's up there, right? Looks like a Bond villain still. He actually looks like a guy I went to high school with. Uh, Don Juan, we used to call him. Don Juan. Yeah. He looks like Don Juan. Every time I see him, I flash back to high school and my buddy Don. I was, used to have uh, an Akita, and one time when we were older, I went to like a, a, I, I had gone on vacation, and I came back with some uh, some funky sunglasses, and I walked into his house, and Nala, his Akita, was like, I don't recognize that dude with the sunglasses, and she jumped up, and precision action with her mouth took the sunglasses off my face without biting my face, and then she was like. Chad, why didn't you say so? Good to see you, buddy. And it scared the shit out of me because I thought she was going to eat my face. Uh, well, huh. stick to sports. Speaking of uh, lookalikes, um, someone walked up to me this weekend on a Saturday night um, after I went to a dinner, successful dinner, uh, if you're wondering. Good Chad. to hear. But, um, Good to hear. I, I was out afterwards, and uh, someone walked up to me and asked if I was El Fantasma. Fantasma. Have you ever heard of that? This guy, El Fantasma. No. It's a. Uh, I, I guess it's a famous, famous uh, Mexican singer. Mm. They asked me if I was El Fantasma. Yeah. You do it was, not. Um, it was interesting. I don't. I don't. You, know. you, you don't look very Mexican to me. No, but I I looked him up and I kind of see a tiny tiny resemblance a little bit. Aaron. I'm working Aaron. on it. I'm, Aaron. I'm working on it. Aaron. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> did, did you learn any of his songs since Saturday? You know what? I my my Spanish is very limited. Um, it is uh okay. It's it's it's, it's not it's crazy. Kind of a uh, it's not terrible. Like if you threw a cowboy hat on, right? You kind I of would look like that guy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in my past life, I did work in the uh, service industry, so the Spanish that I know is probably Spanish I, I shouldn't be saying out loud to other people. So, um, all right, let's not do that again. Let's not do that again. So this that was, was about the time. This was about the time. Yeah, we're not going to go there. That was uh, that was that was Brent's thoughts on on camp. Uh, and Chad, scrimmage. Chad, would you would you agree? Kind of, kind of. Similar, and everyone's gonna say, "Wow, he said all positive things." I, I mean, I think the only holdups are the fact that defense has such an advantage during camp. I think, and I think it's been reiterated a few times. I think even last year we touched on the fact that the defense had some, you know, a lot of of, of positive things to say about them. Defense is also a top three defense in the country. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, not, but I'm saying if this, this year, defense is a top three defense in the country. Yeah. We're going to be all right. Yeah. We're going to be all right. Big plays might be had, but I think that as a whole, the defense is well, very, very strong. It's, it's the big plays might be had. It's just that 
there weren't any. Right, right. Exactly. Last year. <laughs> no, yeah. Just I'm, human name, there's going to be a couple. Like, it's going to happen occasionally. Right, right. Except for last year when it yeah. didn't, like, happen. You maybe don't get to be until Alabama. Maybe seven times. Yeah, but Alabama, like, they weren't splash playing all over the place. I mean, like, no, Notre, those were the where the big plays came. Notre Dame had, had like a 40 yard touchdown pass. Uh, Indiana had like, like a forty-yard sweep, Brent. You re- you remember all of them, which tells you how few. No, of exactly, them exactly. There were, yeah, yeah. They exactly. were the number one pass efficiency defense in the country. Yep. Because nobody could go over the top. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of that also had to do with the ability to get a pass rush on to to speed up everything. And I think that that is where you you got to look a little bit in the beginning. But I think that they're the staff is just so smart and they're, they're knowing that they've got to figure out things to kind of stymie that or, or, or come up with different ways to, to not cover it up, but kind of do what that, the, the effectiveness that that had last year. So I, uh, from what I saw, there's no, like, there's no glaring weakness where you're like, I'm so yeah. nervous at this part of the team heading into Arkansas. There's, right. there really is not that. And, uh, and I think at this point you've got to be really pumped about that. And also, I think, I I think on top is is everyone's mentality heading into that game. You know, just kind of secondhand hearing what you know players and the staff kind of just their their mo heading into that game and, and into the season as a whole. You know, you guys have mentioned it with all the mottos and the slogans. It all has so much purpose behind it, and just the whole mindset is exactly where you want it to be with this team. It's not it's not that mindset of oh we're better than everyone else. We're that G five team that went to the college football playoff. No, it's just. We got to keep going. We got to keep reloading. So it's it's, we can't, we can't lose the standard that was set. Right. Like those guys left it to us to carry the torch. Not, right. not we're satisfied with where we got. So yeah, uh, I will say today the most, the, the maybe the second, the most impressive play camp today being the perfect sixty-yard touchdown pass to Chris Scott. The second most would be Corey Kiner going outside to the left and looking like he was going to have some uh, some trouble and hitting the circle button, the quick spin move, and then running 50 yards uncontested down the field. It was one of those, this dude's a little different. This dude, like, you know, Miles Montgomery, like you're, you're playing with like the standard, you know, the juke and the right. uh, the turbo button. Mm-hmm. He does have. Yeah, I saw his Euro step again today. He brought the Euro step back out today that we talked at the beginning of camp. Um, but Corey's got all the buttons. Yeah, and it's fun. It's more fun to play with a guy that has all the buttons. Dokes had a killer spin move, and then I like I I feel like like Kiner's got like a mix of Mike Warren and a mix of Dokes. He looks just, like Mike Warren. I think right. his game's quite a bit different than Mike Warren. Right, right. But the way he's built, his stature, how yeah. he looks when he's standing next to the quarterback. Yeah. There's a lot of Mike Warren. Right. He's exciting. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say about Corey Kiner. He is exciting. But uh, are we, we, we timestamp in this portion. Did we, did we cover the, uh, the test questions, Aaron? Did we pass the flying colors? 
We have until January to find out. Oh, well, technically, yes. Because, but yeah. actually, we're speaking on what we saw in practice, so right. we're right. Maybe September third. How about that? <laughs> what a, this is this conversation is as good as preseason polls. <laughs> oh man, and also what you just you asked all the questions. I, I just mean the follow up. Yeah. Well, we're right. It's based on our observations. We're right. Can't wait for you to hold Brennix in about an hour. (laughs) She's ready. (laughs) She's ready. She's going to be Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Yeah, she's going to be telling you. Oh, I will poop on you. You think that part was stinky? Wait, wait until you hold me, buddy. With a cigar in her mouth. Wait until you hold me. I will Um, poop on you. uh, Guys, uh, should we say that I was in attendance? At the Smith League Championship game. Should we say that? No, because you weren't. Okay, okay. All right. But you watched it. They had it on YouTube. I was able to take a little bit in. I watched I watched some of it. Oof. The quality of basketball was awful. Dude, but I'll I'll be honest with you. I, I thought about that too. But I would it was take so bad. I would take that basketball over what I was watching when Jarrett Hensley and that team USA was out in that was the, bad too. The other country, because it's just like, you know, at, at least you've got some high level athleticism on both teams, some some guys getting up and down, and some people making some threes on both sides as well. You know what I mean? It's just like take take either side of basketball as you want. But yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But again, I mean, whatever you this have, is, this is this is the Brent show because I I watched a little bit of it and I couldn't. Oh, I I don't have I much couldn't. to say about it. I kind of posted just in that thread a little bit about what I. Kind of dug out. Um, Davenport had four, 29 points, went four of 12 from three. Nolly had 22 points, went six of 11 from three. But, you know, JD did have a double double with 11 boards, is what I had. But a lot of those rebounds, you know, like you said, Chad, the uh, kind of it's, it's those rebounds that bounce once and, and it rolls to you type thing instead yeah. of, you know, having to aggressively go after it. But I mean, I thought JD was very active, uh, kind of just, you know, wanted to affect the game in every way. He went on a bit of a dry spell at one point from three, but he did not slow down one bit. He kept driving to the hole, backdoor cutting, catching some oops here and there. Um, I thought that he affected the game every way that he wanted to, especially on the offensive side. Uh, Landers, man. Landers is going to be a very, very big piece of the team. Uh, he, if, if he was hunting his shot like J.D. was, you know, sure they only had you know one. JD only attempted one more three than Landers did, but JD was also driving a bunch. Landers kind of was, you know, he was driving, but also was distributing the ball at times. Um, I mean, Landers just looks like a guy who knows what he needs to do on the court when he's when he's out there. Uh, he's a basketball player. Yeah, he's he's an absolute basketball player. Like, like like defensively, you can easily come up with with steals in that setting by just simply just being in between your man and the ball. You know, and just simple IQ. And he got two of his three steals from that. And another one, he was out on the perimeter, and, and it was a guy driving, uh, you know, on the baseline, and, and he just, you know, he, he ducked down, had active hands, tipped the ball away and stole it. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like IQ plays. Uh, four, he had four assists. Three of those were just IQ plays. Um, and six of three, sorry, six of 11 from deep. 
I he caught fire at the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter and kind of just took over the game and was hunting a shot during that time. And you could tell if if that's the the Landers Nolly that you get in a 10 minute stage in a certain game, he could take over a game. And I'm excited to see what he brings because sure the 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 value of basketball wasn't high level, but there was still a lot of good players on the court. You know what I mean? Like like talented players, if you will. Unless, and I I mean McMillan's dad went out. What's his nickname? Mad Dog. He I think he scored like forty points, just splashing threes, but doesn't play any defense. But you know it it was good to see them win a championship. Good to see JD knock down some shots. Highly active. Landers, same thing. He is he's a guy that and Steve and I agree. I was uh, I was watching the the stream, and I was like, when when it's shaking because I wasn't listening to it. When it's shaking, you're you gotta like rewind it, rewatch it to see who it was that was doing each plays. But um, I thought overall, a lot more positive things to take away for a summer league game out of Jeremiah Davenport and Landers Nolly than there was negative. And I think if, if if that's the case, then I think in all, it's 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 all positive i continue saying that p word but it is you know because you could come away and be like you know they looked real sloppy they were turning the ball over a bunch missed a bunch of shots were taking ill-advised ones they kind of just didn't do that it was kind of just you know they both played their part they both won a championship sure it was a summer league championship but they they affected the game in, in positive ways instead of just going out there and, and doing nothing so i think it all just Takeaway, it's a it's a championship one. Hopefully it's the first of many this year and they uh they roll into the season. Yes. Agreed. It was bad basketball. I mean it wasn't horrible, but yes, it was bad. It was bad. I've watched it worse. Was horrible. I've watched worse. That's on you. I mean there was just some, saying, that's on some, you. Some games at ECU. I think you watched this too, but uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But um, yeah. That's... Oh, there was some St. John, St. John, UC St. John's games. Oh man. What, what was his name? D'Angelo Harrison, I think. Oh. Those were big. Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett. Yeah, yeah. He was. How about that? Teams. He was on those teams. Some so some sad endings to those as well. But uh, I guess if we're on the basketball front, um, we're going to get to it in the mailbag. Let's not do a whole. Okay. We will not bring up IC right now. We will bring up IC in the mailbag. Uh, aside from that, I don't think there's anything else. Basketball team still not in town doing workouts, right? Or... No, I think they come back next week. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, aside from that, it's uh it's, I guess it's time for the mailbag if we don't have anything else, football, basketball recruiting. But I mean, obviously, the basketball recruiting we'll get to in the mailbag. Okay. Uh, if you want to sponsor the timestamps, you want to sponsor the mailbag, my DMs are always open. Yep, that's right. That's right. All right. I guess, good, Aaron, good your time, time to time, baby. I just finished uh, pasting everything. Normally, I do that during our first segment, but since I was the one asking all of the questions in the first segment, just got done pasting all the questions. So, Ooh. Um, first and foremost, in the football side of the mailbag, 
what scheme or technique changes have jumped out at you from this new group, this group of new coaches? I'm not that smart. <laughs> I, it looks like a Mike Trestle defense. Like if you're asking me how have the defensive linemen uh, changed their hand placement under Walt Stewart, I, I don't know. Chad, I think I think the twelve personnel thing, thirteen personnel, and then the the rush end type thing with getting Ivan out there. I think those would be the only ones that I would say is like, I guess somewhat schematic. Yeah, I mean, but with the Jaheim thing makes sense because you don't have right a Myjay Sanders. You don't right. have like a, a an edge rusher, a stand up guy that's job is to just get past the tackle and get to the quarterback. Right. Like that's more out of necessity than it is like scheme. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like the other alternative would be because essentially what they're doing when they do that is they're just sliding Jabari Taylor inside yeah. one, one spot. They're bringing Jaheim outside taking away the bringing nickel. Ivan pace on the floor on the field taking a, a generally the nickel uh, or sometimes one of the safeties off the field, depending on the personnel that you're looking at. Right. Um, I think that's more roster related than it is new coach related. Uh, because again, Mike Trestle's not new. He, he got here last year. Right. Um, the 12 personnel stuff with, with Gino is, is, newer to Gino, but it's not like Denbrock didn't use 12 personnel with Lenny right. and Josh on the field. We're seeing a little bit more of it right now, but yeah, you like, yeah, you've got two and awesome awesome. tight ends. Yeah. So it makes sense that you're trying to get them on the field um, as often as possible. All right. Um, also from NKY Slim, I know in the past Fix said he liked to sit in with different offensive player meetings. Any idea what group he is sitting in on? He bounces around. I mean, he does like to be in with, and I'm, I, I am not in the meetings and I haven't, I'm not going to ask him. Uh... <laughs> what meetings you've been sitting in on, coach? What, what group you've been hanging out with, huh? What's up? Um, I would guess quarterbacks a lot, especially like the reason he did that when he talked about doing that was to build a better relationship with Dez. Right. You've got a new quarterback coming in. Uh, I could, I could see Fick definitely putting an emphasis, 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 emphasis um, on rebuilding, especially with, with Gino now as the offensive coordinator. Uh, I could see that as well. All right. Um, from Cincy Ice, has Chad received feedback on which players are on the NFL's radar going into this season? Not a ton. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to be looking at all the, obviously, all the older guys. Um, Jawan Briggs is interesting to them. Uh, ben Bryant is going to be interesting to them because quarterback is always um, of interest. Javon Hicks. Uh, Wilson Huber, um, Malik and Jabari, Arquan. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys that that are on that periphery. You know, it's it, it's not like last year where it's like 
there's five or six guys we're pretty sure are, you know, NFL level good at you the say, top of the roster. You say Renfro and Mets? Uh, I mean, Renfro would have to come out early. I mean, he's a true, this is his true junior season. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, um, but I mean, generally, like, those guys, Renfro is clearly somebody at, at a critical NFL position at center, somebody have their eye on. I don't know that right now it's like, you know, where Sauce was at this point in time last year, where it was like, this is Sauce's last year in college. Or we, James we Hudson that. the year before. Yeah, we, we knew that. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet, but um, it'll be interesting. Um, Mets, I mean, he's not even – he hasn't been on the field a ton. Like, he's – we're seeing it increase. He is – especially since Cam Jones got hurt, we're seeing more of Mets – you know, regularly second team right tackle. I, I guess I'm looking at the actual question and just guys that would be on an NFL team's radar as opposed to just. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think Mets is like, at, at this point, I don't think he's at the top of the uh, list. I think right now what's happening is, is they're trying to get a grasp of who are all these guys that we didn't have on our list that we need to have on our list. I think that's more of what's happening. Like last year when the NFL scouts came, it was tell us about sauce. Tell us about Des. Tell us about, tell us about, tell us about this year. It's like, um, why don't you let us know? (laughs) We need to know about who we need to know about when we get out there and, and we'll start watching from there. I think it's just a, I think the scenarios are a little bit flipped, which you would expect because those were all the guys that were stars on an undefeated regular season team in 2020 that all came back. I also wonder how much more respect Luke has from NFL scouts after sending nine to the NFL last year, a Brian Cook. And they always have the, the scouting community has always had a huge respect for Luke because of why? Because he turns because they used to go to Ohio state and see all the kids that like Luke was the one getting the lowest rated kids in the class that were all going to the NFL. Like the scouting community knows Luke fickle has an elite eye for what they're looking for. Okay. That's not, I'm just saying you're right. I'm just saying that's not new in the scouting community. They've known for a long time. Luke knows, you know, Luke yeah. has a good eye for, and that's, that's why he's, that's why we're here. <laughs> we all know that, right? Like that's why we're here. Tunstall and Mardner too, I think would be two other names. Yeah. Yeah. I, Tunstall, dude, I've been so impressed. Like we just, just don't talk about it. Like it just no. left tackles. Just okay. I talked about that with Renfro t- today. A year ago, we, we were worried about left tackle. Right. And we're at a point now where it's like left tackle is good. All right. Um, from Bearcat CB, I think a lot of us are looking to bet the UC Arkansas game. Uh, just a friendly reminder that Ohio will have betting as of January 1st, 2023. Uh, most that's places. After, that's after. I understand. Just the UC Arkansas game. I just, I'm just 
clarification purposes. But clarification. but you do yeah. drive you drive through Indiana to get to Arkansas, so you can make the bet as you're driving through. You have about three hours to make that bet on the track there. Most places have you see about an eight point dog. You taking the points or laying? Well, Brent, I think you're the the one who places the most sports bets of the three of us. Um, I mean, I would I would take take the points, and then also I'm picking UC both times. Taking the points, sprinkling <laughs> a little bit, sprinkling a little bit on the money line. That's that would be what I'm doing. All right. And depending on what the over under is, might take the under. Uh, I think right now it's a fifty two. Taking the under. I think that's what somebody said. I think I saw that on the uh, on the board. I think somebody said it was up up over fifty. So so Arkansas gave up a bunch of points last year, and they uh, they're probably basing that off of thinking that Cincinnati's defense lost a bunch, and then Arkansas gave up a bunch of points last year. Well, we 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 see what happens when Luke Fickle wants to go out and just win a football game. Yeah, but we're, you're still going to be in a situation with a lot of guys that are – the bullets are going to be flying for the, really the first time. Right, right. No, I agree. As a unit. Yeah. Some individually, but as a unit, that was the thing that made last year so elite, I think. Yeah. Because those guys have played so many snaps as a unit over two a two-year stretch – yeah, and yes, there were a couple changes, but not mm-hmm. like this. Right. Those guys were ready for anything. We'll see if it takes this team a little bit to really like connect. Yeah. And and be able to say, okay, when we need a play from Brian Cook, we get a play from Brian Cook. When we need a play from Javon Hicks, we get a play from Javon Hicks. Right. We need to play from Huber, or we need to play from, you know, Jaheim, or if it's Shep or JQ, or if it's Arquan. Like that team felt like always had an answer. Is this team going to be ready to have answers right out of the gate on the road in an SEC environment? If they do, woo! I, so I so Traylon Burks had literally like half of the receptions that KJ. I mean, half of the all the receiving stats that KJ Jefferson had last, you know, through to last year. Yeah, and how I, I guess how much Jaden Hazelwood, who's a transfer from Oklahoma, what he was a top five player in his class coming out of high school. I guess how quickly he's used and how he is, you know, how they do use him. Is it going to be exactly in a Burks type situation? I. I think Arkansas has questions to answer as well, just like Cincinnati does. So, um, but I I will be taking Cincinnati sprinkle a little bit on the money line to answer the question. All right. Is the change in tone and coaching that big of a good thing? Could could imagine Cummings and Combs not allowing anyone to not give their all. I mean, I think Perry, are- Perry dug a lot out of the cornerbacks too, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, coaching changes are never, especially when you have a staff as good as last year, like they're never a good thing. Right Now, there are a lot of good coaches out there, so you can dip into that well, and I think they have. I think they found a really good offensive line coach. I like what I've seen 
from Nate Letton as he's taken over that tight end room. Carrie is is obviously Carrie. Um, like there's there's a lot of promise. And I think that was I also think it, it was a good year to have it happen. Yeah. Right. Because there was already so much turnover that was going to be inevitable that maybe if you you you've got a bunch of voices that are going to change, this would be a good year to have it happen. But I mean, I if Mace was still here and, you know, Marcus was still here, and <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't feel bad about it. Like, I, I think Denbrock, his track record shows he's been an amazing tight end coach. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, what, what coaches, uh, except for maybe the previous regime, what coach is going to get by under Luke Fickle by letting guys just coast? That ain't how this, that ain't how this works. Because then Luke would become that position coach for the right. time being. Right. Yeah. All right. Joe Huber or Cook? Chad, who would you fight? Who are you fighting in a dimly lit basement? Neither. <laughs> There's your answer. If I if I had to fight one of those two guys in a dimly lit basement, I would hire Armorion Smith to walk into that dimly lit basement, and I'd feel pretty good about my chances. Spear out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, UC Fan 3 asks, I'm curious if it helps BCJ more if we listen to podcasts versus YouTube. Maybe there is no difference. Uh, there's a slight difference. The, the the podcast, we've already got that money via sponsorships. Um, the YouTube, the clicks on YouTube is what, what gets you paid. Um, we've had some opportunities to monetize the podcast in that fashion, but many of them would require us to um, alter the format and nature of these shows, and from, we're not going to do that. Commercials and... We're not going to do that. So I have chosen not to fully monetize the podcast on the audio side, the YouTube side. There's really no way around that. Um, so if you watch on YouTube, it makes us a little bit more money. Yes. Did or just of- like if you're at work, just click on it and let the YouTube video run in the background. Did want to mention here as well that uh, Twitch is also you're able to uh, watch the videos now on Twitch. Yeah. They're archived. Um, thanks to all of the people who've been tuning in to either the uh, the podcasts here on Twitch or uh, Chad's uh, what Fall Guys I think has been your go to at this point. Um, I mean, I haven't really developed a go to. I, I haven't had enough time to play because camp. All right, um, but the more people we get watching, listening there on Twitch as well, um, the more stuff we can do with the Twitch channel. So um, something to be said for that. Uh, where are your areas of concern? Um, about halfway through camp, I'm curious what and where and or where are your areas of concern? I'm thinking more so about position groups, not individual players. And where are you feeling surprisingly mo better than you felt coming into camp? Um, I think offensive line, we're still waiting to see what that final, like, this is our five 
Um, well, how much and, with the offensive line has been altered due to injury at this point? I mean, Metz is really the only injury. Cam Jones. Yeah, but he was running with, like, he was. Not that he was going to be a starter. I just, with the shuffle. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I, once they, you can't really ever answer that question on the offensive line until these are our five and, like, those five get a chance to become the five. Um, so I think they're still in that process a little bit. Um, so that's that's a little concerning. Um, corner, until they go live, like, I guess here's the thing with corner. There's going to be a drop. Because you had two of the elite corners in the country. And a nickel, that was one of the better nickel corners in the country. And those guys are in the NFL making a lot of money right now in Sauce and Kobe. There's going to be a drop. How much? That's why we've been talking about corner from the day the Cotton Bowl ended, right? Like, there's it's an area of concern. Until they're out there and making plays or getting beat, one of the two, we know there's going to be a drop. The level of significance, we'll find out. Um, I'm feeling better about safety. I, I think safety is, you know, you, you. it is unprecedented what UC has had at safety over the past three years, four years, right? Wiggins, Forrest, Cook, Hicks. Hicks is still there. But the bigger thing for me at safety was it always felt like there was not very little behind what was out there, mm-hmm. right? Like it was, it was if there was Hicks, if something happened to Defoe or Wiggins, but there wasn't anything beside Hicks. And then with Cook and Hicks, we didn't. Did you feel great about like? I don't know if Jacob Dingle was ready yet. Brian right. was a true freshman. True freshman. Like, yeah. I've always felt like that depth at safety hasn't matched the depth everywhere else, even though that might have been, like, where they were best at the ones yeah. through some of this stretch. Now I feel like Threats, Dingle, Armorian Smith, Isaiah Cox is coming on. Ethan Wright's going to be a stud at safety. He is. Going to be a stud. Every time they put him on the field, he's around the ball making plays. Glimpses of Brian Cook. I don't know if he's as... I'm not the one who said it. I know. I, I don't know if he is, and maybe he will be. We just haven't seen a lot of him yet. Cook had such a natural instinct on where to be and how to get there in as violent a manner as possible, right? Like Cook was coming a thousand miles an hour and he was going to blow you up. Yep. Um, I don't know if, like, we'll see if Ethan has that in him. But I feel like safety, man, I feel really good long-term about safety right now. We haven't even gotten into, like, Pat Body. Right. Who looks great. Um, 
Oliver Bridges, who right now is a corner uh, and looks like he could he could jump straight to linebacker. Cox is yeah, I talked about Cox. Like right. uh, there's a bunch of all of a sudden that room, and and guess what? We joke about like, oh my god, they've recruited 36 defensive backs in the past three years. Well, that's starting to pay off. You're you're starting to get dividends from those recruiting halls uh as guys come into the program and get a chance. So I feel real like much better about safety than I did before camp because it, I tell you guys this all the time. I gotta see it. I gotta don't just tell me this guy's gonna be good or this guy should be good. Like I gotta go watch practice and say, oh yeah, I see it now. I see what they're talking about. I, I see it translating um on the field. So I, I feel good about safety long term. Um I think those are my answers to that question. Anything to add, Brett? No. Good. All right. Well, that wraps up the football portion of the mailbag. And we are moving on to uh, basketball. Let's go. Sorry. Time stamping and switching banners. This is oh. where this is what everyone has been waiting for right here, baby. Um, are there any AAC basketball opponents you'll miss seeing UC play regularly once they move to the Big 12? Maybe a venue you'd be bummed to see. You you won't see the Bearcats in as much going forward. I mean, the easy answer is Memphis, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like as much as they've done uh, going to the Shockers home court. I was going to say, there's this place that yeah, they call the, the Roundhouse. Charles. Cuck Arena. I was never going to Wichita, Kansas to see a basketball game. No, I but I, I think I'll be bummed that they aren't going to be winning games at Wichita State. Aesthetically pleased. If if Greg Marshall was still there, sure. What I don't feel game. the same things about Wichita State as I, I used to. Got a good point there. What a terrible human. <laughs> right. To see UC go into the roundhouse and kick his ass regularly... Yes, I, I'm bummed we don't get to see that anymore, but that was taken away from us two by years him. Ago. By him. <laughs> I mean, how how aesthetically pleasing was that one game? Uh, Jaren's game? That Yeah, that. Well, well no, the, the year that. Uh, no. The, the end of the regular and, season. Yes, last so, game yeah. of the year, you know, when they had all the, you know, their conference their, championship on the line. Nasir Brooks gets out, get a hand up, and I, yeah. I mean that is one of the more aesthetically pleasing games I've ever watched. Jacob Evans hitting threes with one leg, and just I mean it was. I, I also I, I will miss like SMU with um like when when they first renovated that place, Maybe. and they used to have like the guy in the crab outfit, and like yep. they were all the student section was right behind the bench. Chuck Mayshock almost got in a fight with SMU students. Yeah. Like that was <laughs> I'll never forget that one damn game where since he was riding that long win streak. No, it's it's it opened, it was the opening game of that arena. Yeah, yeah. It was the first S- game in that place. SK senior year. Yeah. And oh man. And got smoked. Got smoked there. I mean, Chad, you, you brought up Memphis as being the place you'll be bummed. You won't see the Bearcats. I'm not going to miss that court at all. I, look, dude, you did you ever Mary go to Memphis it. for a conference tournament? What's that? Did you ever go to Memphis for the conference tournament? 
Um, I was in Memphis uh, for a bachelor party during the conference tournament, and uh, you never made it in. We were we were just late because we spent too much time at Maker's Mark on the way down. So, shocker. Um, I I like I miss like that was always a great event, and I I miss going to Gus's Fried Chicken. Let's be honest, this is just about Gus's Fried Chicken because it allows me to mix up. Like if I'm gonna eat chicken every day. Like once a year, I want to eat different fried chicken. Every day. I, Every day. I, Chad, I can't. We are missing the clear and blatantly obvious answer to this question: is the trips to Greenville on a you know on a Sunday at eleven a.m. Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> Mo has Mo, was it wasn't it Mo who talked about how bad Tulsa was? Yeah. So, oh hey, <laughs> you you're playing the pirates, and it's uh, I'll do it again. Or, I'll do it again. I mean, I'll tell you what them or Tulsa, I would say, is, is right up there at, at the top two that I hate. That I am extremely happy yes. that no longer they'll be a part of because every game at UCF and at at USF, I normally went to for the most part. And you're in so, Florida, and you're in, in the winter, right? Right, but uh, but man, Greenville and, and Tulane. At least you're in Nolens, and and the Bearcats would always take over the game at that high school right. game because and, you're in New Orleans, and like yeah. the students are like, "Hell yeah, I'll go to New Orleans for a night." Like, yep. let's go, man, Tulsa. Oh, I hated those Whoa. games. Hated those games. All right. Um, thoughts on Brandon Jenkins' comment saying Collier is down to UC and USC. And now is where we sign off, Aaron. We just uh, sit back and let Chad soothe us. Go ahead, Chad. Look, how long have I been telling you guys that USC is my primary concern? The whole time. Has that not been three, four, five, six months? I've been telling you guys USC is like no one keep talks. An eye on, keep an eye on them because they're the they're the primary concern if he goes west. I'm not sure anyone has talked to you, Chad, more than I have in this space, especially yeah. that about USC and Isaiah Collier. I my my information to this point on an on a recruitment that has been as tough to read as anything, my information has been on point. Like I, I I've always felt the biggest threat was USC. Did I think Michigan? could like make a charge late yes would i rule out michigan like i don't i don't totally buy the brandon jennings or brandon jenkins uh comment that he's down to usc and us then you see like because i still think i think michigan is still somewhat of a factor it's the most recent dark horse i think there's a lot to sell there um I think if you want to play in the NBA, like Jawan Howard is a guy that you could want to play for, that you could you could build a pretty good connection with. Um, I, I just look. I I've had you guys as informed as anybody in the country, and and I know because I've seen the message boards throughout this process that have. Uh, 
relay the messages from the other schools that have been involved throughout. It's this, it's that, it's this. Oh no, what, well, what new information? Now it's this. It was that, now it's this, this, it was this, now it's that. We're in the lead. Oh, maybe we're not in the lead. Uh, you know, everybody has been all over the board. And I've been steadfast in what I've reported. I've been steadfast in everything I've said about this recruitment. Do I think USC is the biggest threat? Yeah, I thought USC is the biggest threat for a long time. And I've said as much. Um, do I have a good feel for where he goes? No, I don't. And do I think, like, I know the, the popular thing now is to say a decision is coming soon. Soon is a... It's relative. Relative term. Uh, soon next week. Soon like sometime between next week and the early signing period is what I <laughs> uh, read as soon. Um, I Things haven't changed on my end. Like I, I, I made a bunch of calls today, made some calls out West, made some calls locally, made some calls down in Atlanta. I don't think anything has really changed at this point. And I know like if you, unfortunately, if you saw his social media activity today, one of his best friends just died. Like, I, yeah. yeah, like sad. It, it's impossible to go through for a kid. Right. I, I don't think anything in this thing is predictable. If, if he put up a, a graphic that said he was announcing next week, it wouldn't surprise me. If we don't hear of an announcement until October or November, it wouldn't surprise me. Like they've done that good of a job keeping things under wraps. But what did we talk about? Having time to sit down with his family and really dissect and and break down where he was at since his Michigan visit. What has happened since then? He has returned to basketball. He went to San Francisco. And won MVP at the Steph Curry camp. Beast. He went straight to Chicago for the Under Armour Elite 24. Mm -hmm. He won MVP at the Under Armour Elite 24. Did a step back, walk off step back 30 footer to win that crown. And now he's got to go fucking bury his best friend. Like, nobody knows. Nobody knows. If they tell you they know, they're wrong. Right. Because this thing is being done on a timeline that's specific to that family. Yeah. And that family has not uh, made it public what that timeline is. So we'll see. I, I, I don't have anything better for you. I guess here's the best thing I could say. If you're like, if you're a UC fan and you're wondering how this is playing out, you know what the Michigan people thought? It's down to Michigan and UC. You know what the UCLA people thought? It's down to UCLA and UC. You know what the UC people and the national people, I think, or the the USC people and the national people are thinking? It's down to USC and Cincinnati. Right. There's one constant in all that. Maybe they don't get it done. Maybe, you know, the mom and those influences and being back out in LA and, and being close to her family, maybe that wins out. But you can't deny that Wes Miller and his staff have done a phenomenal job 
identifying the talent, building the relationship across the spectrum, high school, AAU, family, selling the kid on their vision. And now the kid is going to be a top three player in the class. And from what I'm hearing, I don't know if it's going to be 24-7. I know he's in the conversation. One of these services is moving him to number one. There's going to be a place that Isaiah Collier is the number one basketball player in the country when this, this cycle is all said and done. At the end of the day, this staff did what the fan base has been begging every single coach since Bob Huggins to do, and that's go after elite-level kid, an elite-level kid. So you win some on these and you lose some on these. You're not going to get every elite-level kid. But the fact that they put their best foot forward, identified it all, like you said, and and got this far, hell of a job by the staff. Um, Next question. Isaiah Collier would be the biggest recruit since dot, dot, dot. Uh, Lance easily. Lance, Demar, uh, yeah, like Lance, and then back to Demar. Um, I think those are the two. Like, I mean, Lance was as big a you know he had his own reality show. He had a a famous like nickname, you know, like, and then Demar was the next big thing. Like, Demar was. DeMar changed the game. They were asking if he was going to go pro after his junior year. Yeah. DeMar changed the game because he was what we see now all the time. He was a 6'9 shooting guard. He was Kevin Durant before Kevin Durant. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, (laughs) because since the 247 has compiled rankings, it's Lance. And then you look at number two and you're, you're saying, all right, this conversation it's going to end at Lance, and then we're going to bring up Jamar. <laughs> That's about it. And Kenny Satterfield was right there near the top of his class as well, but Demar was the dude. Kenny Satterfield was, at that point in time, like the New York City point guard was was a, a thing, a major thing. Yep. And that was, that was Kenny. So, but Lance and then Demar for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, and that is the basketball portion of the mailbag. Um, real isn't Jalen Thompson committing tomorrow? Yes, and there's a reason we haven't talked a lot about it because you win some, you lose some. I don't think it's going to be UC. <laughs> All right, um, the banks portion of the mailbag. Good evening, gents. Today we are doing the opposite of rapid fire. What is one place you have not visited and you want to before Aaron passes away? So this means we have to do rapid fire, right? Because he asks us to do rapid fire and we don't. So that means this needs to be rapid fire, right? That's what he's trying to get out of us. So maybe we double reverse whammy him and we do like a a 20 minute. Uno reverse card? Yeah, maybe we Uno reverse card him. Um, I don't know. Hawaii for me is, is the place that I want to visit before I die. I think Hawaii would be up there. I've visited most of the places I want to visit. Like, that's kind of who I am. If I want to do something, I do it. (laughs) So, yeah, Hawaii. I haven't been to Hawaii. I'd love to go to Hawaii. Uh, 
I've got Rome, Prague, Santorini. New Zealand. I've heard awesome things about New Zealand. Uh, it's New Zealand like Australia where everything there wants to kill you? Scary animals. Uh, less. A little less Australia because there's not like the like the the outback, I guess. The but, outback. I mean, it's close. It, it's close. So I'm sure there are. The there is a, there's a bunch of stuff that wants to kill you there. Probably. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's kangaroos looking to like square you up. Oh, man. Koalas looking all cute and cuddly, trying to pull out my rooskies, pull out your intestines. You put another strip on the barbie. Uh, follow up question If you are on death row, what would you have for your last meal? A a perfectly grilled uh, tomahawk ribeye. And a baked potato. Oh. And maybe a salad. Oh, a salad. Oh, like, if I'm having steak and potato, I'd like a salad with it. Okay, okay. I didn't say it was going to be healthy salad. Like, I'm right. going to put some right. fattening-ass dressing on it. Right. It's my last meal. that tastiest ranch. Drown it in yeah. ranch. I, no, I'm going to drown it in um, hot bacon and honey mustard from Rafferty's. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. What's Rafferty's? It's a, it's kind of a chain restaurant that started like, it's just basically like in the South, Kentucky, Tennessee, there's one in Florence. And And that's a house. Do you know what hot bacon is? Yeah. It's just basically bacon grease with like chunks of bacon in it. And they have a homemade, they have a homemade honey mustard that's phenomenal. And you just dump a cup of each on your salad. Oh yeah. Uh, so a salad, like a Rafferty's house salad, uh, a perfectly medium rare tomahawk ribeye, mm-hmm. and uh, a baked potato. Aaron, I know yours is galactic fried chicken with galactic sauce. So I thought about making that joke, but that ain't it. Um, I made it before you. Oh, go ahead. I, I think I'd go like several lobster rolls and several crab cakes and just okay. load up on seafood. Okay. But you I have wanted... been crabby lately. That's fine. Yeah, you have you have had some sand in your nailed uh... it. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. You've been quite a beach lately. <laughs> pretty... You're so corny. Pretty good. Yeah. How are you not a dad? Is that pretty good? Yeah. How are you yeah. not a dad? Hey man. Hey man, we're out here trying. Aaron, imagine the level of dad joke from him when he becomes a dad, if he becomes a dad. I think that's when I figure out something else else to do. <laughs> Busy on Monday nights. Kids got sports. She's two. Yeah, she's got sports. She's she's, she's like golfing. You I should, think. You should yeah. see her set. She's like she's playing volleyball now. Yeah, she's she's volleyballing it. Uh, shoot, man, I I love food, man. That's a hard question, but I think I'd go probably the steak route, um, and then I'd probably do something lobster like. Yes, What's with your you cut? as well, Aaron. Uh, you know what? I I like a good ribeye as well, uh, bone-in ribeye. Uh, I I don't know though. I I like cream spinach. I like all those sides, but I might go crazy and like get me a couple like you know chili cheese dogs from Skyline on the side, and then maybe toss in a, a German chocolate cake. And, uh, that's the best thing about it right you can have like one bite of everything because it's oh, i'm gonna just meal. dude i'd probably order so much 
so much. Just really desserts. Good. Desserts important here. I think I'd go like uh, I, I've said before, like a skillet chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, with chocolate ice cream chip cookie. And right, right. Like some chocolate over the top. For you sure. know what? I'd probably get so much food that they'd be like, "Are you done eating yet?" And it'll be like ten years later, and they'll just forget about me. I'd just be eating ten year old food. Just you've just been eating your last meal for ten days or ten it's, years. It's time. It's time to let me go, guys. Can I get chicken parm? Can I get chicken parm on that? And uh, <laughs> I love Italian. Like I got to decide my favorite sandwich. Is it an Italian or yeah. is it a Cuban? Why don't you bring me a Philly cheesesteak from Philly? Yeah, that would be up there on the. Ooh, that's a good one. Skins favorite sandwich. I could debate favorite sandwich for a week. Same. A week. Last PS. Uh, PS is Aaron going to be at the BCJ meetup later this month? Asking for a friend. Uh, what what date is that? Friday the twenty sixth. Didn't even know that there was a thing. What what is this BCJ meetup? Uh, we're doing like a happy hour at the Holy Grail, Friday the 26th. I get off radio at 6. I should be there by 6.20, 6.30. We're just going to hang out, have some beverages, um, meet meet the crew. I've, I've talked to a couple dignitaries uh, that are going to grace us with their presence. Oh. One of them might be able to answer questions about the new locker room. Oh, one Shout of them might out. be able to answer questions about like the football recruiting department. Oh, Shout out. So, you know, one of them might be an answer to a question we just had in this mailbag. Oh, skins. That's the mailbag. Well, Aaron, you didn't so, even answer the question. Are you going to be there? I don't know. Look, I, I, there's a kid. There's... Some things going on, and you gotta get those taken care of, and we'll see. You gotta start Brennix's volleyball career somehow. Let's have her come meet the volleyball coach. Let's get this thing rolling. I don't know that the volleyball coach is gonna be at the meetup. Yeah, it's a maybe. It's a maybe. <laughs> it's a maybe. Maybe maybe I'll hit up Blake, and we'll we'll see if we can get uh, Jordan there with her gold medal. Oh, that's not gonna. But there, there are going to be some some former some former Bearcats, uh, I think, gracing us with their presence on that uh, Friday night down at the banks. If it's at the Holy Grail, I mean, is camp over at that point? Yeah. Okay, so there may be some guys working, depending on. <laughs> I don't think they work in season. I okay. think that's an off season. An off season deal. Joel comes. Joel comes back just for that one night. <laughs> he's he's got some. He's got a real job, right? Yeah, he's got a real job now. He doesn't have to uh, roll up uh, giant cardboard, thick cardboard boxes. I don't put it past him doing that out in Seattle for fun. No, I, like I'm telling you, like he was like, this is how I now train my I, hands. I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying he may still be out doing it at Seattle, like just walking into random bar. You guys got some. Some old cases. Now you got those cases. He does it in front of the like. Can I just take him back to my apartment? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get a, gotta get my hand workout in. Yeah, he's he's handed that off to Jack Dingle. Dingle's the one in there now, just rolling the puppies up. But uh, yeah, wouldn't put it past him. Anything else in closing, guys? If someone stuck around since at, at two eleven, 
Eleven, are you gonna sprinkle any uh, any reward for the late late listeners? Anything? Nothing? Nah, I think we're we're pretty good. Aaron, I'm excited to hear what Brennix is gonna do to you now, and uh, hopefully all is well. But guys, another good one. Uh, Your white shirt looks great, <laughs> Daddy. For me to poop on. <laughs> Aaron Sludge. Slinging Sludge on your white shirt like Brett McMurphy does on the eight people. How about that? Get us out of here. All righty. Well, we opened up with the eight people. We closed with it as well. But uh, aside from that, another really good show. Uh, guys, another full week ahead. Stay locked into BCJ. More camp reports. Uh, I believe the, the final scrimmage is this Saturday as well. Um, water wall coverage of that. But uh, aside from that, man. Special shout-out to Danco Transmission. Big thank you to them, as always. And uh, for my broadcast buddies, good pals, good friends, Mr. Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. Yet again, another fantastic BBP presented by BearCatJournal.com. See ya!